following podcast is presented by Wellspring of Life Church, a community of faith, hope, and purpose. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 5. We'll be picking it up at verse 15. As we've been discovering, or at the very least being reminded, that the life of the follower of Christ really is a living, visual sermon. That, did you know that that's what you are? <laughs> living, walking, visual sermon. Whether you know the follower of Christ, whether he or she wants it to be or not, it is what it is. Whether you are walking faithfully in the spirit or failing in the flesh, you are providing an example, which no doubt at some point by someone has all the potential of being copied, right? How the believer walks day by day throughout life is crucial to the cause of Christ. And so for this reason, it is important that the believer walk carefully and steadfastly throughout life. As much as our world needs to hear about the light of Christ, and it does, right? As much as it needs to hear about the light of Christ, would you agree with me? It needs to see it even more, which means us, right? Through us. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 18 says, The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. And so for this to happen, we must do what we find in verse 15. Let's look at that. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. So The Apostle Paul is telling us we need to watch our step as we are being careful how we live our lives. The word translated here, careful, actually means to look around and to avoid circumstances or situations that can lead us into sin. That's the idea behind this term that Paul uses. It carries the idea of precision and accuracy. In other words, he's saying, see that you walk carefully and with exactness. The opposite would be obviously walking carelessly without any kind of proper guidance, wandering off course, failing to keep it between the white lines. As some of you know, out behind our house, Mary and I's house, there's a field, and it's been an open field for 22 years now, as long as we've been living there. And a few years ago, a friend of mine who owns the property decided he wanted to keep some cows on that property. And and he asked if I would mind feeding those cows. And, you know, I I thought that would be cool. He provided the hay, and all I had to do was go out there and make sure they had hay every day. But the reason I'm sharing this is because when I would go out into that field to feed the cows, I learned how to walk carefully. If you get my drift. (laughs) So with that kind of visual in your mind, Paul is telling us, you want to avoid messes and that sort of thing, then learn to walk 
carefully. Um, you'll be glad that you did. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5, we left off at verse 14 and we just started with 15. They really are related. I want you to see this. Paul appeared to be saying, don't walk in your sleep. Wake up. Open your eyes. Make the most of the day. It is sad, I think, to see that far too many professing Christians are drifting through life like sleepwalkers who never really make the most of the opportunities to live for Christ or to serve Him. Because of our responsibility as believers to live as children of the light, we saw in verse 8, to live in a way that pleases God, we saw that in verse 10, and to expose evil, we saw that in verse 11, we must be very careful then how we walk, talk, and live conducting ourselves before others so as to shine with Christ, for Christ, drawing people to Christ. Amen. So Paul encourages believers to live not as unwise, but as wise. In other words, we must take our commitment and our love for and knowledge of Christ and apply it to our everyday lives, and especially, um, you know, when we are around one another in the community of faith, and then also amongst the unbelievers that we find ourselves around as well. Making sure that we're not conducting everyday affairs with seemingly no concern for God as if his perspective on the mundane matters of life just didn't matter, as if they were not relevant to him. Walking with care and walking with wisdom means acknowledging the Lord in everything we do, in all of our ways. Is that not what Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6 tells us? It means being ever conscious of his concern for us and his desire to see us conducting our lives in a manner, as we saw back in chapter 4, verse 1, in a manner worthy of our calling in Christ. Let's look at verse 16 now. He, Paul continues, he says, you know, be careful then how you live, not as wise but unwise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So we're to watch our step. Now we find that we're to watch our time. The world in which we live is filled with all kinds of dangers and deceptions. And it isn't always easy to live the Christian life. Anybody found that to be true? <laughs> yeah, of course we have. We can't get tripped up, or we can get tripped up. We, we need to be careful that we don't, but it happens. We can get tripped up or ambushed, term I might, don't mind using, by events and people out there even being aware, without even being aware of the danger that we might could be in, spiritually speaking. We, we must be very careful to live our life rooted in wisdom, obviously the wisdom of God's Word, using our time wisely. The Greek phrase for making the most of every opportunity conveys the idea, this is interesting, of buying from time. Purchasing from time, or you might be more familiar with this term, redeeming the time. We've, we were familiar with that one. Same idea. Buying from time or redeeming time. This places 
a high value on the time that God has given us. Are you, are you hearing that? I want you to see that because that's what the Apostle Paul is really wanting to get across to us. He's placing a high value on the time that God has blessed us with, the time that he's given us, okay? That we need to make sure that we're not wasting that time, that we're not squandering that time, but making use of all of the opportunities that he brings to us to do good, not only for him in his kingdom, but for others. And so we want to make sure that we place that same kind of value that the Lord does on the time that he happens to make available to us. Paul gives an honest, straightforward reason for making the most of every opportunity. He says, because the days are evil. I agree with that. How about you? <laughs> this can be understood in, in actually in a couple of ways. It, it may mean that we need to use our time wisely and carefully in order to counter the evil that is in this world. Or it may refer to the way the evil world tempts us toward wasting our time on frivolous entertainment, fruitless pursuits, or foolish activities. In either case, the solution is the same. Redeem the time that God has given to us. And Paul says that what will help us in that is to know what God wants from us. Look at verse 17 now. It says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. What is God's will? You ever been in a conversation, maybe in a home group Bible study, and that question comes up, and how many times have you heard folks talk about how they just struggle with that? <laughs> I don't know what God's will is for my life, and you know what? We really can. And I want us to see this this, this evening, and Paul wants us to see this. So what is God's will? That we should walk in purity. That's his will. How hard was that? <laughs> that we should walk in purity. The will of the Lord is that we live carefully, always matching our lifestyle with the teachings of God's Word. In other words, living the same way we say we believe. Building upon the principles of living and walking carefully with wisdom and, and using the time we've been given wisely. Paul introduces another important principle. He says here, do not be foolish. The type of fool that Paul is referring to, as we have seen in past weeks, isn't, he isn't talking about someone who might be intellectually challenged or not have intellectual ability. Not at all. That's not even the case. A fool, in terms of how Paul is using it, can be a pretty smart guy. So the type of fool that he's referring to is the person who happens to say, there is no God. We find that like in Psalm 53, verse 1, but then turns around and they live their life accordingly. So what this means is, folks, whether they say it verbally or not, how they are living their lives is the telling factor. Are you with me? Whether they say that or don't say that. They might even say, yeah, I believe 
But then their lives are saying, not so much. The lifestyle, the actions, the behavior becomes the telling factor. Therefore, to the degree that we live as if God were not present in our lives, not interested in our decisions, and not worthy of our attention, we're living, according to the way Paul is using this, as fools. Instead of living foolishly, we must understand what the will of the Lord is. Few things in the Christian life are more basic or important than discerning and knowing God's will for our lives. Would you agree with that? Thankfully, thankfully, and we need to be so thankful coming off of Thanksgiving. <laughs> thankfully, Scripture gives us a number of clear indications of God's expressed, revealed will for our lives. And so, for example, here's a sampling. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We find in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, for the sorrow, and here it's referring to godly sorrow, that is according to the will of God, produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation. But the sorrow, and here referring to those who are sorry they got caught, but no repentance kind of sorrow, uh, the sorrow of the world produces death. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid. This is pretty plain and simple, that you should avoid sexual immorality. 1 Peter 2, 15, For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Now, these are just a few simple, straightforward, clear and objective expressions of the will of God. In other words, church, we have no excuse for us to ever, ever come to the place and say, well, I just don't know. Yeah, we do know. We've been told quite plainly, quite simply. And this is just a sampling of the many times and places in God's Word where it is expressed to us, made known to us. So just a few simple, straightforward, objective expressions of this. You and I need to be convinced that if we spend our time pursuing the things that God clearly wills for us in Scripture, in, God, in His Word, we will not do the things that are against His will. Also, when we pursue these things, the Spirit of God creates in us character qualities and virtues that help us more easily. Hear me now. 
It builds within us, helping us more easily to be able to discern the will of God in areas that aren't so simply put out there for us. That's good news, church. Typically, regarding our response to God's will, people either run ahead of Him or resist Him. The first is caused by a lack of patience and wisdom. We jump to conclusions, rush into decisions, tumble headlong into every opportunity that presents itself. And when it comes to God's specific, personal, and often subjective will for our lives, such as choosing a career, or a mate, or a home, or a church, we can get rather creative in the ways we run ahead of God. Have, have you noticed this? So for example, I've heard this. Maybe it was you that told me. I don't know. <laughs> if, while on my drive to work this morning, I have four green lights straight in a row, then I'll know it's a sign from God. <laughs> the second extreme, resisting God's will, comes as a result of pride. We separate out between sacred and secular. And it's so true, isn't it? Kind of like we got, okay, here's the church stuff, and I'll, I'll look at that in one way, and then here's this other secular worldly stuff, and I'm going to deal with that and live in a different kind of way over here. We separate it out. Not good. Not good at all. We do that banishing God from the latter, the secular, as if he has no interest in that, as if we should not be paying attention to him in that. In other words, we stubbornly ignore the clear mandates of Scripture, finding all kinds of reasons why they don't apply to us. We get pretty creative, don't we? We discover the will of God as He transforms our minds. And this transformation is the result of the Word of God being put within us. It's the result of prayer and meditation and worship. If God gave you a mind, guess what? He intends for you to use it. <laughs> this means that learning His will involves gathering facts of His truth and praying for His wisdom as we are instructed in James chapter 1, verse 5. God does not want us simply to just know His will he wants us to understand His will, and then, of course, obey it. Paul alluded to this plan, actually, back in chapter 2, verse 10. He told us that we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, right? For what? For good works. If God saved us, 
He has a purpose for our lives, and we should discover that purpose and then guide our lives, therefore, accordingly. He reveals his plan through his word. His spirit in our hearts is a part of that, and the working of circumstances also is a part of God revealing to us his very specific will for our lives, along with what he clearly mandates and shows us in Scripture. The follower of Christ can walk carefully and accurately because he or she knows what God wants them to do. That's a good thing to have, isn't it? Good place to be living. But God wants them to know what God wants them to do. Like the builder following the blueprint, like a traveler adhering to the roadmap, like a parent paying attention to the instructions when he's building that brand new bike for his kid. What was to be accomplished gets accomplished. And you know what? The right way. Next, Paul says we are to be filled by the right spirit. <laughs> Look at verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the spirit. In verse 18, Paul gives an exhortation with a contrast. Being drunk and out of control versus being under the Holy Spirit's control. This is the difference between having our minds um, and our senses dumbed down and numbed versus having them energized and stimulated. Paul contrasted getting drunk with wine, which produces a temporary euphoria or a buzz, let's use that terminology, to being filled with the Spirit. Again, the contrast, which produces. You want to settle for euphoria and a buzz for a few moments, or you want to settle for what the Holy Spirit brings, producing lasting joy instead? I vote for that. How about you? Paul says, choose wisely. <laughs> between the two. And please keep in mind, the command pictures a full decision. In other words, not half of one. It's on in other words, let me continue in the other words here. <laughs> You're not going to say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit getting drunk. That's just half of the decision. The other half is, you're going to stop doing that, but then you're going to find yourself being filled with the Spirit of God. is isn't just halfway, it's all the way. So important. When a person is drunk, everyone can tell, right? His or her actions make it obvious in like manner. Our lives should be so completely under the Spirit's control that our actions and our words show beyond a doubt that we are being filled with the presence of God's Holy Spirit. Just as obvious as the one is, so should the other, is what Paul is telling us. I like that, don't you? People who are controlled by too much alcohol. And then watch what Paul is doing here. He just kind of 
kind of re-goes re through what he has just told us. People who are controlled by too much alcohol waste their time, squander their resources, and make fools of themselves. Has he not just talked about that? <laughs> when people are drunk, the things they say usually profit nobody. Their words are either garbled and slurred and are nonsense, or here's something else he's covered already, or coarse obscenities. So folks, forget the liquid spirits. <laughs> Drink deeply of the living, dynamic, soul-nurturing, life-giving, invigorating Holy Spirit. Amen. Look at verse 19 and 20 now. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord always giving thanks to God, the Father for everything, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. These verses are describing someone who is indeed under the influence, <laughs> being filled with the Spirit of God. When you're discouraged, this is a great way to get encouraged what Paul has described for us here, right? Don't reach for the bottle. Reach for your Bible. <laughs> Start making a melody. Start giving thanks. Start worshiping God. Start being filled with the Spirit. When others are discouraged, this, again, is a great way to encourage them. Now, when you come on to somebody, you may not break out and in a hymn. <laughs> you may not break out in a song, but the idea here is that you are going to be coming in and bringing to them in your presence and who you are and because you're expressing and displaying Jesus Christ, you're bringing joy, you're bringing an attitude that is thankful, an attitude that is going to be worshipful, an attitude that is all about Jesus and less and less about you, an attitude that is loving and caring and compassionate. Amen? Amen. This is what comes from being filled by the Spirit of God. Consider David when he was discouraged. Some of you are familiar with the story. It's found in 1 Samuel chapter 30. They had been out doing battle with the Amalekites. And they, they're sent back home. And when they get to their town, they find that it's been burned by the enemy. Not only that, all of the women and children have been taken as hostages. The men are so upset with David it tells us they wanted to kill him. That's kind of discouraging. What do you think? I, I'm thinking I, I think I understand why David's discouraged. So what does he do? What does he do? He undoubtedly gets away and begins to, again, undoubtedly, I would say this, encourage himself in the Lord. One translation says, another says, David found strength in the Lord. How? Probably sang songs. Maybe even wrote a psalm or two. <laughs> began to praise and he began to worship. And as a result, he rallied. 
and encourage the guys who were just a little bit ago wanting to do in. Now he's encouraged them because they've been discouraged as well. And they get back together and they go out and the, the story lets us know in 1 Samuel chapter 30, everything that was taken, every wife, every woman, every child was restored and brought back. They didn't lose a thing. Wow. Now consider with me, had David remained in that depressed state, had he started to believe the lies from the enemy in church, let me pause for a second, that is exactly what begins to happen when you are hanging out in depression, frustration, and all those kinds of things. You begin to hear lies speaking to you. And after a while, if you stay there long enough, if you don't shut that off, those lies begin to sound like truth. But we know where they're coming from. Had David stayed there and began to listen to the lies from the enemy, not only would he have been rendered ineffective, but the women and the children would have remained captive. And it's true in our lives, folks. And so will you remain captive until you begin to worship. God's will for you is to be free. And nothing will free you from the tyranny of your own situation like worship. Because God is worthy. Amen. Yes. You will be profoundly blessed and amazingly productive whenever you give thanks to God for all things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. People who choose to be controlled by the Spirit have minds that are clear to see what Christ has done and what He is doing in the present. Their hearts are filled with joy as their lips overflow with praise. The Spirit of God fills their hearts with gratitude as their mouths speak in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. In fact, their entire lives are directed to God the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen, amen, amen to that. How are we filled with the Spirit? We see His effects in verses 19 and 20. But how can we do anything? Is there anything that we can do to promote this? In the Greek text, to be filled with the Spirit is, was known as passive imperative, which means it's a command. <laughs> this isn't if you feel like it. This isn't, you know, if you're not having any problems right now and everything's a-okay, this, this isn't that at all. This is regardless of whatever is going on in your life. No matter how high you might be on the mountain or how, how low down in the valley, it's the same. Worship and praise Him because He's the same God and that same God is always a good God regardless. Amen, church? So in the Greek text, to be filled by the Spirit this is a command. This means that we are to surrender. We just sang about that. 
We are to yield to and obey and allow the Spirit of God to fill us with all His blessings and empower us with His enablement and lead us in His ways. Our whole lives yielded to God are to overflow with the works of the Holy Spirit, church. New Testament scholar Harold Honer sums up Paul's thought this way. I really like this. With the indwelling, each Christian has all of the Holy Spirit. But the command to be filled by the Spirit enables the Holy Spirit to have all of the believer. Isn't that good? Does he have all of you tonight? Does he? This past Thanksgiving Day, as most of you know, there was the usual morning, afternoon, and evening football games. And this year, the NFL honored all day long the late former coach and um, broadcast announcer John Madden. Some of you, if not everybody in the room knows who the guy is. They did a great job sharing some heartwarming stories about him. It was good. To me, in many ways, John Madden was kind of like the Yogi Berra of baseball for football. He would say things like, he would have made a touchdown if he hadn't, hadn't got tackled right there. <laughs> you know, things like that he, he was known for. But he also said some also really good things that could very easily pertain to the Christian life, such as the road to Easy Street goes right through the sewer. <laughs> and this one, self-praise is for losers. Be a winner. Stand for something. Always have class and be humble. I like that. The Apostle Paul said right here in verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This verse is reminding us of a vital yet frequently forgotten fact of the Christian life. We're not meant to live it alone. We're meant to submit ourselves in humility to one another, bearing one another's burdens, Galatians 6, 2, encouraging one another in love and good works, Hebrews chapter 10, and looking at after and looking after one another, one another's best interests and other another's interests. We find that in Philippians chapter 2. Church, if what you are calling the Christian life is pulling you further and further away from others, then you need to go back to the basics of Christian living 101. We are to be humbly submitted to one another, and then we're even told why, out of reverence for Christ. Here's what Paul is telling us in that. Because we love, respect, and honor Jesus, we are to love, respect, and honor others. In the final analysis, the mark of a growing, maturing follower of Christ will be how they love God 
seen and how they are loving others. Amen. Father, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the challenge that it brings. We thank you for the comfort that it can bring, the strengthening, the encouragement. I pray, God, that we all have been encouraged by your word, even, even in the midst of being challenged and maybe even under some conviction. That is a good thing. I pray, Lord, that we um, wouldn't just agree with it here in this moment, but that we would take it and apply it and live it. That, Lord, you have called us to be careful how we live and in that careful accuracy, making sure we're living for you, displaying you to a world that needs to see you desperately. May we be amongst those who are living for you, shining brightly for you. For this is our mission. It is what you have called us to. This is what's involved. With following you in a manner that is worthy of our calling. May you move in us, God, in deeper ways. May we be amongst those who, who will give the time and the energy to, to seek out your word and to, to get even more understanding of what your will might be for our lives. You've made it clear. It is there. Help us to know it. In our love for you, God, lead us in this way. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. As most of you know, Vicki and I went to Arkansas a couple weeks ago to see her mom. And as soon as we left the airport, this song was on my heart that we're going to do tonight. Goodness of God. And I didn't know why at the time. But we got down there, and some of you know Vicki's mother. She is just a precious soul who loves to sing and worship and just church, church, church. So we sang this for her at, at home. So then we got to church on Sunday, and pastor had a dynamic message, and they were ending it. And her mother looked over at us. She said, we need to go up front and have the pastor pray for you too. She said, it's been on my spirit real strong during the last half of the message. So we did. We went up. And she asked the pastor to pray for us, and she said to pray for Kenny's knees. And then further, further uh, ministry. <laughs> so he did, and it was a wonderful prayer, and I was moved. And then Vicky walked back, and I was up there with him, getting ready to walk back, and he pulled me over. He said, uh, your ministry, do y'all sing or play? And I said, yeah, we sing and play. So he asked me if we'd do a song to end the service, and I said, sure. Let me check with my wife, but sure. <laughs> so I went back and told her, and as I went back, he was finishing up, and so I pulled up the lyrics. We know the song, but and we didn't have any music, but I just got the lyrics just to help in case we forgot some of it. 
Went back up and we started singing. The pastor's wife, she was playing the keys, and she, I walked over and she said, oh, you want to play? And I said, sure, I'll play. So she sat over beside me, and Vicky didn't, couldn't see her. She was out in front of her, and we were singing about halfway through the song. I looked over, and she's just hands raised, tears rolling down, and as we finished up, she was standing and just giving God all praise, honor, and glory. And so I thought, wow, it really touched her, so that's good. And so a lot of people, don't get me wrong. And so she, uh, pastor closed, and then she said, I want to say something. And she did, and she got up. She said, we had a, a rough time before we come to this church here in Louisiana. And we had years between churches, and, and it was a rough, hard time. My husband was gone driving a truck. The kids were just needed him so badly and missed him. And I was at my wit's end. But she said, this song got her through those dark times. She found it, put it on her phone, and had it on auto replay, and it was just continuous because of the goodness of God. Verse 2 of this song says, I love your voice, and you have led me through the fire. In the darkest night, you're close like no other. And I've known you as a father, but I've also known you as a friend. Because I have lived in the goodness of God. And I pray that your prayer tonight, as we're going to sing it, I want you to sing it, of course, but I want you to see those words and dwell on those words because this is a, a song that can change your life. But you've got to let it. So I just wanted to share that with you. Don't, as, we, as he talked about in the message, you know, singing praises to God, lifting up songs. That's what gets us to where we need to be when we're in those dark times. So I pray this is a song you can sing. And if you don't know it, YouTube it and put it on your phone. Because it'll get you through a lot of times.
you for listening to this message by Wellspring of Life Church in Western Colorado. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please visit wellspringoflifechurch.com. So I will lift up.